Hi, welcome to the Sweaty Palms podcast. Sweaty Palms is a Belgium-based music platform that urges their community to discover and share new music and ideas from which relationships can be built. In our podcast, we'd like to dive into the minds of people we think have a huge influence on their scenes and surroundings, ranging from artists and promoters to passionate diggers, road creatives, and your average shows. I'm your host, Eunice, an Android-based music producer, graphic designer, and apparently, podcast host. In this episode, we sit down with our first international guest from just across the border, Coco Bryce. He has been known for his eclectic jungle sound, but his background as a DJ and producer, which spans over 25 years, goes from gabber and hardcore to beats and more contemporary sounds. We talk about our love for forward-thinking producers, his background in skating, how video games inadvertently launched his jungle fame, and more. Welcome to the Sweaty Palms Podcast. We've been gone for a month, but now we're back with our first international guest uh, just across the border. Welcome, Coco Bryce. Thank you. Hey, how are you doing? Uh, I'm all right, man. We Thanks just, for having me. No worries, no worries. Thanks for coming all the, all this way. <laughs> just as long as a, a ride from Brussels, I guess, to uh, Antwerp. Yeah, I guess so. It's like 40 minutes. Yeah. yeah. You are from uh, Breda, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Could you introduce yourself briefly for uh, the people that don't know you? uh in what way what do you do uh, uh i mean i'm yeah, i make music i'm a dj i run a couple labels i release on other labels <laughs> uh i skate cool still skate 30 years now uh yeah that's basically it cool. i'm here with my girlfriend shout out in the background shout out to Mirtha. <laughs> and then also lars and Matthias from sody palms uh join us here in the room as well so it's uh pretty lively up in here finally get to see people again mm-hmm. um so yeah you make music you're a dj you've been active for a very long time now i guess uh yeah i've been djing for 25 years now i think yeah since 1995 so 26 years actually um, so, that's... and then i started producing a couple of years after that around the turn of the century yeah i think i started fiddling around with drum computers in late 90s first release on vinyl i think was in 2000 yeah like that cool yeah. you're uh at this moment mostly known for what you do but in jungle and then mm-hmm. 160 uh but before that you've done a lot of other different things uh what was the first genre that got you started in music uh you mean you mean as a dj producing uh maybe as a dj and then yeah uh, as a dj uh, i initially started uh dj in gabba because um when I was like in my early teens, I was mostly listening to hip hop and everything, mm. like a lot of stuff that I used to hear in skate videos. And then um, I was like 15, 16 years old when Gabba was really big in the Netherlands. Um, and I had a couple of classmates that I was always hanging out with. Um, and they were really into it. They were already buying 12 inches and there was a couple of friends of mine who had decks at home. So we'd go there and practice a bit. Um, and we were all they were all playing gabba and but playing and buying gabba records so that's how i learned to mix with gabba and then a little bit later like some uk breakbeat kind of stuff because that one friend of mine who was a couple of years older than me um he went to the same high school as i did um, and he was also well into 
all the UK styles, you know, this was just a little bit before Speed Garage became a thing. It was like still jungle morphing into drum and bass and mm. he would buy that kind of stuff as well. So, so that's basically what I started out. Yeah. Music, like DJing was mostly Gabba and Breakbeat. And then when I first really started like more or less seriously producing, it was more uh, like a hardcore essay the techno mm -hmm. you know you know that difference between techno with ch and techno with yeah. k so you got techno with a k which they play at squat parties mm -hmm. and i used to go to squat parties by around the turn of the century which is like five years after i started djing and that's uh in that period when i really started producing yeah cool so i mean what i uh hear as well is that it's been uh, mostly characterized by genres that are pretty fast uh, as opposed to like what yeah which is uh in the beginning yeah 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 but oddly enough the first thing that i ever released on vinyl was not was not hardcore it was more like electro yeah it's like kind of um it, it wasn't like the straightforward kind of electro that they would sell at clone mm -hmm. if you know that shop with yeah, like, yeah. Uh, the, the more like purist electro is more like mm, re reflex recordings yeah. kind of like hybrid with samples in there yeah so, but it's a lot faster than most of the stuff that we play at the time yeah, yeah. So more like 130 it's a great bpm <laughs> I, li I like the 130 range a lot because it has this uh weird pulsing energy that you also get at faster uh, mm -hmm. tempos but like more uh sludgy yeah way. yeah it depends because it's 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 just slow enough so you can do certain uh extra like ghost notes and everything that would sound very hectic especially when it comes to the melodies if you do it at 160 it'll, it'll sound like really hectic and mm -hmm. at 130 you can get away with a lot more it seems so. yeah there's just way more room yeah it's something yeah, yeah. that you don't get at uh where you lose the the detail in mm -hmm. faster genres yeah. um where it's yeah where it's more about the less you can put in but that says way more or something mm -hmm. uh which is something that I also read in, a, in an article that you did, how some uh, old jungle that you heard, how it sounded so full and, and rich, even though there weren't a lot of elements in it, uh, which is something that I find very interesting about like 90s music as a whole, where they had very small uh, samplers and, and no DAWs with a lot of tracks. Yeah, like, but like, barely any memory space. Yeah. So they had to make like every single sound that they put in there, they had to make a count. Mm. So um, yeah, that... But that's always been my approach to uh, producing, is I keep it as minimal as possible mm. without having it become minimal techno. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's also something that's very uh, mean hard nowadays because you got a lot of people that get as much as possible and as much as detail as possible and, and end up with uh, songs that have like 200 plus tracks for like every little effects and every little detail. Yeah, so I know. So when I, when I do uh, remix, I've been doing a lot of remixes over the past year, like during lockdown and. Uh, uh, and sometimes I'll get like people, they'll, they'll ask me to do them a remix and they'll send over the stems. Mm. And sometimes it's like the way I would do it. And it's only like seven layers or something like that. And sometimes I get packages, packages of stems and it's like 40 layers. I'm like, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> it's like, like, wow. And there's like four different layers for one single sound, mm. where, which is all layered. But at the end, the only thing you hear is like one and the same melody yeah it's like 
And I really appreciate that people will put that much effort in, into putting that much detail into mm. a tune, but I can't do that, man. Yeah. It's like, it's too much for me. It is something that you get lost in quite easily. I yeah. used to do it a lot uh, back then. When I started making music and I was mostly making drum and bass, it was more about layering and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's and drum and, and bass it is. And drum and bass is so uh, fixated on mix downs as well. Yeah. It's like, which is usually not the case with jungle yeah. it's, it's way more crude and I, I guess it kind of makes sense because like back in the day in like 92 93 they, they, they were barely doing any mix downs at all mm. so they, they weren't even cutting off the low frequencies of synth sounds or anything you know, just chuck it in and and it still sounds wicked yeah um, that's that's also a funny thing i noticed when i moved from uh so around the time that i was playing a lot of drum and bass i got into a lot of 160 jungle slow fast stuff mm -hmm. um and i wanted to make that because it, it felt way more interesting and fun to make uh but i couldn't nail it because i just tried to keep doing clean mix downs and then you lose so much of the character that makes a song that way yeah. same with footwork same with um anything around that, that that space is like if you make it too clean it just doesn't sound right no well there's a couple of people that that i yeah. think can do it and and it's all uh, subject to uh, personal taste of course because I, there's probably a lot of people that would actually prefer jungle to be uh, jungle producers to uh, do better mix dance mm -hmm. I, I i bet there's people that would prefer that but i personally don't but mm. but for instance uh sully yeah so you know like example. his mix downs are like they're so clean and and everything sounds really precise and i always notice that his tunes are way louder than most of the other jungle even mm. new jungle stuff coming out uh but he gets away with it because it suits his style yeah but so. the sully tunes are always so ethereal sounding and yeah. very floaty but uh, but still very modern sounding. yeah he modern. doesn't try and but there's a lot of jungle producers that will try and purposely make it sound old mm. you know uh, and crusty like it comes from like an old cassette tape or something which i i personally really like that mm -hmm. so um but sully isn't about that at all he's just like no nah, man like production values that like make it sound as crisp as possible. What I like about Sully Sims is they sound very crisp, but not in a way that is... Um, it's not static. Or surgically, yeah. yeah it, no. it, it sounds it's very not, lively. It's, it's, it, it is clinically precise without sounding, sounding clinically precise. It still has the warmth that you would yeah. expect a yeah, jungle yeah. tune to have. Or, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, a good example of that as well that I recently found in the, the song that I've really been loving is... Um, the new release paradox did on uh, sneaker social oh one, yeah that one man the 140 tune yeah they sound so clean yeah but they they have that warmth and drive that you get from like a very distorted and not really well mixed song yeah in a way it's it's very yes yeah, it still has like his old school greediness to it but, yeah but i think with paradox it's also because his tunes are so immensely stripped down it mm -hmm. really is like drum and bass at the the most pure sense of the word like a lot of his tunes really are just drums and bass yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah so i are. think that's how he describes it itself because he always gets on the mic yeah. uh, paradox when he does his uh live performances you know mm. and um and i'm not sure if it was it might have actually been an answer but i think it was in amsterdam like 10 15 years ago and he actually if i remember correctly he got he got on the mic like 
kind of telling people like drum and bass is not not about like like all the neuro funk mm. he was imitating that it's supposed to be our drums and bass and I was like yeah well that's exactly what he does yeah so. one drop come again come There's never that much melody or anything in, no. in, in the drum funk tunes. So no, there isn't. But they they drive and they they sound. Oh, very, I love it. I, I love it. Yeah, it's very that for for like the better part of two decades. The, the only drum and bass I was listening to was Paradox, mm. like Paradox, Fracture, Neptune. Uh, you know all the drum funk guys. Yeah, Mac. Uh, who else is there? There was a couple of them that were doing a lot of drum funk. So. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it's very close to jazz in that way as well, where the way it grooves and the way it sounds, it's very mm -hmm. um, pure sounding. Yeah. And that that is what I also like about that as, as well. And it, uh, what I love is that now you can feel those influences um, flow down into like different levels of club culture with like breakbeat and rave coming back very hard. And then you feel that, um, that, that uh, aesthetic and sound as mm -hmm. well is like very prevalent nowadays which i'm very you much mean the grittiness of. yeah the grittiness oh yeah it? definitely yeah. yeah i think i think uh i said this before a couple of times and then I, it's uh, i always say the same names i think it's like uh, lobster theremin mm -hmm. uh, the label for example they, they have had a big part in all those well how do you call it like uh, uh crossings of genres mm -hmm. like coming back into full swing again because for the longest time it was all very segregated you know like techno records we have four techno tunes on them house records we have four house tunes on them and so on and so on and then lobster theremin and similar kind of labels were starting to put out releases again where it's like four different genres on one ep and i think a lot of people look at lobster as being a quite cool label mm. and especially like five years ago they were really at the forefront of like the whole more lo-fi kind of sound of electronics and everything yeah so uh, yeah i think we have to thank them in a big way for all like the breakbeat stuff coming back yeah so. i agree i think people in whatever genre uh find a lot of common ground at what lost per Termin does uh mm -hmm. like for example what i did five years ago and then uh talking with like uh, Lars and Matez from Sudi Palms they also are big fans of Lobster Termin and then we talk about that a lot and even though we DJed very different things we all mm -hmm. came back together on that because it's something yeah for that was everyone. your common ground yeah it's yeah, something yeah. for everyone that yeah, yeah. they do uh and and yeah, that's how I read but but I, I've always loved that I loved that in the 90s as well and then by the late 90s early 2000s that's in my opinion at least is when things got really like segregated mm. like this these people only go to these kinds of parties that that label only release this specific subgenre of uh i don't know like this kind of house music mm. or whatever and with drum and bass as well yeah like i i kind of dipped out of drum and bass before neurofunk even became a thing mm -hmm. you know when uh the whole virus thing mm -hmm. um the rhythms became very two-steppy uh, and it became more and more about about the mix downs mm -hmm. and uh and the wobbles and everything and so uh and then 
before you knew it, you had so many subgenres of drum and bass that I'd never even heard of until I clocked back in again five years ago. Yeah. Like, I literally didn't even know who Caliber was until a couple of years ago. Mm. So, uh, and and I love his I love his stuff. I just I just didn't listen to drum and bass for so long that I had no idea. Yeah. So, uh, it's funny, especially with like the you clocking back in five years ago, me clocking out five years ago. But we'll get back to that uh -huh. later because I think that that's a very <laughs> funny coincidence. Uh, but yeah, I, I think what for me frustrated, uh, not specifically only with drum and bass, but like electronic music genres in general, was the fact that if you did one thing, like a tune in some genre, you had to be part of that scene. There was no way of really existing on the fringes of different things as like a new artist. Like for me, when I started making music in 2013, 2014, uh, if I made drum and bass, then you it's, had to get into you, the drum You mean scene. it's kind of like you had to pick sides? Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, oh, I do like footwork and jungle a lot and like what Chimpo and Fracture and stuff are yeah. doing. I want to do that. And then you, you're certainly part of this and you can no longer be part of what was before. Yeah, but you, you, say, you, uh, you say Chimpo, uh, Chimpo and Fracture, but that's funny that you mention them because they have always operated on the fringes of everything yeah in my opinion yeah least. they do they they're, do they're, they're like big players and they're re being responsible for that scene to even exist like mm -hmm. the fringes scene Whereas yeah, yeah. Like, what, what are they? they it's not drum and bass what they're doing no. not really sometimes it is but a lot of the times it's not Yeah, and, and but I'm what I try to say. Yeah, Sam Bingo, especially uh, even like with what Stray and and, and stuff. Stray, we're doing yeah. Later, uh, but Stray, I was just listening to some Stray tunes the other day. He hasn't done anything in a long time. No, they, they just do Ivy Lab now. Oh, okay. Stray is yeah, uh, Ivy Lab is Stray and Saber. It wasn't it three guys. And before Hallogenics, but Halogen he yeah. left a few years ago to do his solo stuff. Yeah, it's a shame, man, because he did some. Um, what he, what I, he I, did? I bought a couple of records of his like three years ago, I think. Yeah. And there were some EPs that had some wicked, it was only almost beats. like wonky beats yeah. on it. It sounded so, some of his tunes sounded like uh, like Flying Lotus could yeah. have done him. That, that, that's, an, that's a, a perfect segue to get back to uh, you dabbling back into jungle and stuff five years ago and me leaving that scene is mm -hmm. where. Uh, when I heard that, what Stray was doing, and, yeah. and people like uh, Saber and all the wonky stuff getting born out of drum and bass producers going to like halftime hip hop stuff, um, that was for me like I want to do this, like I want to get into the beat scene like and I stuff like that. that. And then yeah, it was like oh shit, it's possible like with the skill set that I've built up to like do this. Mm -hmm. um, but what he was doing for me was revolutionary yeah. in a way, yeah. yeah, yeah, because it it sounded like the wonky stuff that came out of LA but with a very yeah. London UK sound to it in a way as well yeah well I was so surprised because I listened to that EP and I'd never heard of Stray before I found the I think it was like two or three EPs but you have like these the, they're, they're not they're not records. they're not even on exit yeah yeah, yeah. and and they're not even half time they're, le they're legit like 90 BPM hip-hop yeah. and but it's like one or two those tunes on the EP and the other tunes on the EPs are footworky yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. but um, 
what, what's the one? The cl- ch- Chatterbox. Yeah, yeah, Chatterbox, Chatterbox EP. Yeah. It, it has like a chop top think break yeah. in it. So it's not really footwork either. No. It, it's kind of like jungle footwork. And they got these hip hop tunes, but the, MP, uh, the, the EP definitely makes sense as a yeah. whole. Yeah. That's what struck me, like, because the genres are like quite different. Mm. But at the same time, I don't know if it's the sounds that he uses, uh, but he manages to make it make sense. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I was probably most surprised by not yeah, even yeah. the tunes in itself but it's like oh this actually works man for me yeah. uh, i think the the last ep mini album that he did uh the paradise one uh for me made like the most sense because it had all of that it had like breakbeat stuff it had like weird wonky hip-hop stuff is, Future is that the one with the black sleeve which looks kind of like uh, uh the black sleeve with like the the galaxy galaxy and, yeah, 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 yeah yeah that that's the one i mean it's a that i think it's the tune galaxy is like the I need you. That's that's uh, paradise. You. That's paradise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That that that's yeah. the same EP. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's same that's, that's the one I bought on vinyl. Yeah, same. Uh, and then the chatterbox I bought that one. I think a year later. Digital. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's the one I meant. That's yeah. exactly the tune that I meant as well. Paradise is such a great tr- song because it. it, well, it kind of sounds like Flylo. It sounds later, like Flylo, but it Except also for it's like um, uh, a little more polished. Yeah. Like Flylo would probably have put like some weird in the background. It, it sounds like Flylo, but it also sounds like Hudmo and Lucky Me kind of stuff. Yeah, in a way. and at like the a- same time, it really sounds like straight. It's, it's yeah that for me like because that i think that period in time around 27 2015 throughout 2018 um a lot of producers that were making drum bass at the time like started popping into that and like doing stuff like that but then going way harder with it and having it very bassy which was also pretty cool and then like that birded like a whole yeah because i know this there's strains. this one really cool half tempo tune by ivy lab that i sometimes used to play as well it's yeah. like 170 half tempo yeah I forgot I forgot the name, but they have yeah they've put out so much stuff, but uh but yeah what they did and with like their label it pushed in through like a whole new venture and then you had the entire crossover with like the West Coast and America playing their stuff and then oh really it, yeah so like people uh, like Low and Theory and stuff they started yeah, low theory, supporting yeah. whatever they were doing and whatever was happening in Europe on that front um, okay and then it oh, I, I wasn't there. even aware of that yeah I, I hadn't like the Low and Theory that that one's that, that's in LA right that's, yeah that's like the, the they don't the, the exist weekly. anymore yeah but they, was it Daddy Kev who ran Daddy that? Kev yeah 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 yeah. So they were supporting what they were doing. Oh, what? They, they're not doing that night anymore. It stopped. What, like to do with COVID? Or no, 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 no. They stopped that? in 2019, I think. Ah, just uh, before. Yeah. Okay. They uh, they just stopped doing it after 12 years or something. Yeah, because they've been running for quite a while, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They figured like it was Eddie Kevin and Gaslam Killer and like a few other people. And then Gaslam Killer got cancelled for a bit. Yeah, it's same era, I think. Like, yeah. Same uh, period. Yeah. Which is a shame. 
because like a lot of stuff that I discovered later on as well was like, oh, it all started there in a way. Yeah, but everything yeah. has a Sarah in it. Yeah. So and everything needs a beginning and an end, yeah. I guess. So sometimes it's like it it can sometimes work against things to keep running for too long. Mm. You know, if they keep milking milking the same formula for too long. Okay. No, I guess it's there, there's beauty to it, like ending. Yeah, I think some people have a great way of deciding when something should end and yeah. then do it perfectly. And, and I think other what, people keep milking it and milking <laughs> it. Like, and then yeah. it loses its value, yeah. which is a shame. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, that was like the era where I felt that I did not want to do drum bass stuff any, anymore and like got really into like beatsy stuff what what you came from and then went back into jungle for well, rap, i i, I kind of went from fast to slow back to fast again yeah so yeah what what happened there for you to go into more hip-hop because you already liked hip-hop in the 90s yeah that's it I, I just i grew up on basically on uh on a diet of hip-hop because i think when, even when i was a little kid it was like de la soul and um before that was a cool mode you know mm -hmm. go see the doctor it's like really 80s um and then through skateboarding like for a while the only thing that skateboarders listen to or like allowed to listen to um it's like hip-hop and punk rock mm. i guess and um so i know i always loved hip-hop even before i even before i skated i don't know why it just, it just always resonated with me um and I've always been listening to it, like the, regardless of what genre of music I was ma mainly producing or playing, I, I've always listened to hip hop. And then it, there was just a really fresh take on a genre that had been around for, what is it, like 30 years, maybe yeah. 40, what is it, like 40 years now? But by then, like uh, yeah, 2010, hip, yeah. hip hop had been around for well over 30 years. And yeah. this is like a completely fresh take on it, you know? So first, like you get the the, the mid late nineties boom bap stuff, and then things got a bit boring, and then Stone Throw started, mm -hmm. and you had Madlib who put a fresh twist on it again, but it was still kind of uh, it wasn't yet what we would call wonky. It was you know? still beats was, that it, you would want to rap on. Yeah, it was still like exaggerated versions mm -hmm. of boom bap with the in a yeah in in, in a slightly different form, mm -hmm. but then. You got Hudson Mohawk and Rusty and even Zombie to a certain mm. degree uh, and all the LA guys that took it to a whole nother level. Yeah. Uh, Debray. Yeah, Debray. Debray as well. Like, even though Debray's shit is not really wonky, but it's, it is no. electronic sounding. Yeah. It's not so sample based as most of like hip hop used to be in the golden era. So Yeah, I think that's the, the very good um, diversion between the two of them is that it can be wonky as long as it's electronic enough that mm -hmm. it's far enough away from regular sample hip-hop to rap on mm -hmm. um and i thought that for me was very interesting because but at the same time there's loads of like very heavily sample based producers like uh knowledge uh yeah but you mean knowledge with the x uh, yeah and yeah but that's that's i kind of dipped out of that wonky scene when he became big okay. is, is he on stone's row as well or he not? is on stone's row um yeah he's on stone's row yeah yeah um yeah, because I remember, I think, didn't he come to Champion Sound once or to Next Level Shit? And it was one of, or those guys were trying to book him. Maybe Next Level Shit. I yeah, but it was quite quite a while ago. It was definitely like six, six years ago. Yeah, I yeah. Think. Um, but so, um, yeah, I want to say, um, what's his name? 
this guy, uh, he also produces, he's part of this Green Llama collective. I don't know. I don't know. And Mr. Dibies. Dibiase. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I yeah, never yeah. know how to pronounce that. Diabetes. Diabetes, Dibies. I never know where the I <laughs> yeah, and yeah, the yeah, A yeah, are. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? I know what you one. mean, yeah. So his stuff is often like very heavily sample based, but mm. at the same time, it's like wonky as hell. Yeah. So, uh, so you get both sides of the spectrum, which I like. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's very. Um, it's still a scene to me that feels very open. But is um, there still, is there still much of a scene? Because I have no idea what 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 it's like. So. I, I I know like, so I haven't been very active in that anymore. But like when I don't know, like a year or two ago, it was mostly like the bassy guys that took it over. And then yeah, because like, for for a minute, I remember where we were just talking about. Um, before we were recording this here in Antwerp, sorry to interrupt you, it's by fine. the way, about next level shit mm -hmm. here in Antwerp, where I used to play. Shout out Kevin uh, and Jasper. Um, and for a minute, because the, the their nights were always a mixture of like the wonky shit, squee and a lot of dubstep. Yeah. Uh, and then trap really became a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and for a minute, it was kind of like trap was also going to take over the wonky stuff that the beat scene yeah before before it became like legit popular yeah well pop music it's actually. the same thing is happening now with drill yeah uh so what i know like a lot of my friends that i that still hang with are very active in the beat scene and they make wonky stuff but then there's people like ivy lab uh, for example that are making very electronic drill now to like fit in that scene and like I, experiment with that and yeah I'm, and it, it for me feels the same as when trap was like getting very electronic and then yeah. festivaly. Yeah. Uh, but it'll when trap when trap became EDM. Yeah. yeah but yeah. it'll probably offshoot into its own thing again. And then I think Wonk and and that beat scene will stay what it is. You it will so? it will offshoot new things constantly, but they will always grow out of it. I think. And like, well, I I have seen which is which I think you see with every. Uh, when there's like a new genre emerging, there's always a couple of people that get really big. Uh, like for a minute, everyone's hype. They're, all the new producers get a lot of hype, and yeah. then there's a couple people that are just like never heard of again, and others reach new heights, and yeah. then it finds its way into more commercial music. And and suddenly, around the time uh, when I grew kind of tired with it, I saw like pop hits where the beats are like really out of sync, and yeah. like all the the over compressed, you know, the sidechain compression mm -hmm. thing. I was like, "Wow, this made it into the charts now." This this style, yeah. so, the, the you mean the the future bassy? Uh, yeah, but even like Muramasa and yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. And, and I'm Flu not sure and, if those yeah. guys were ever like big in the underground or they went straight to being charts. Were they? I mean, that's that's around the time. But I I really like it. Yeah, that's and, that's and around can, the time it, when I got into it is when Muramasa and like Flume and Flume, stuff like yeah, that. Flume, they they were very. Maybe Flume is not a good example because he got very big, very, very fast, fast. But yeah. Muramasa stayed like underground for like at least a year or two, mm. and then he just blew up and started doing the. Flume and kind and, of and thing. what's the guy that the name the producer that did that remix for Tovlo? Like hi all the time. Ah, uh, um, hippie, hippie sabotage. I think is it hippie sabotage? Yeah, I think he did the that remix that became the hit because the original version is yeah, yeah. almost like a singer-songwriter tune, electronic singer-songwriter <laughs> tune or something like that. Yeah. And he did that like that beat that that remix. It's the, it's the same. I'm pretty sure it's hippie sabotage.
Yeah, but that was like a, a point in time where a lot of what was happening in the underground and that people like us were very into just start blowing up. Like yeah, but same it, like it, the... it switched within like a year. Yeah. Because for the longest time, whenever I would play like that wonky kind of stuff to people, they were like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it's like, everything's out of sync. It's like, I can't listen to this. It's like some mentally impaired person. Yeah. yeah. Six-year-old made this. It's like, uh, And then... <laughs> Two years later, out of the blue, it's like, oh, wow, like all, the, all these big hits are produced with exactly those production mm -hmm. values to it. Like, I, I, I really loved, I really loved it. So yeah, um, I think a, that. a good example of like a producer that really uh, set the tone for that as well is Machine Drum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the way he went from like very obscure jungle breakbeat footwork stuff that was very lo-fi in sound uh to what he does now which is like very big pop sounding but still with that same uh finesse but then starts yeah, making yeah. like entire pop albums for people and i'm like this is really good pop stuff but uh, and, also and, very... deserve, and deservedly so that he yeah yeah to do that shit 100 because he's been around for ages as well yeah. i i played a festival in uh in venlo in the netherlands which is like some free festival, summer festival in the park, you know, mm -hmm. like free entrance. And uh, I played after him. I, I spoke of him for a little bit. And, and he told me that um, just like five or 10 years before that, when he, he was just like building a reputation, building a name for himself, he got booked in Europe. And they, he told me like, they wouldn't know, they want to book me, but they wouldn't know what kind of nights. Mm. So I always ended up being booked for breakcore nights. <laughs> Even though his stuff is not breakcore, it was it was like breaky, but yeah. it's definitely not breakcore. No, so, um, no, no. It, so that's that, that that's kind of uh, telling to me how genre-defying he is. Yeah. He's always been like you can't you can't pin him down. You can't pigeonhole into a specific genre. No, so he's always been that kind of artist. I actually can say you, you know when uh, Jay Dilla died mm -hmm. and. Um, uh, just before he died, uh, he, he he did a show and there was a kid with a t-shirt with Jay Dilla changed my life. Mm -hmm. So uh, I actually considered making a machine drum change my life t-shirt yeah. at some point. Is that, that's how big of a fan I was of his. It's the same. I think for me as well, like he was one of the first artists where I felt that... Um, Especially when Rooms came out. Yeah. That one, yeah. Rooms and Vapor City Archive is one of my favorite yeah. things. Uh, Which ever. is... Um, it's the one with the red cover. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, the, but Vapor City is on Ninja Tune, isn't it? And yeah. Rooms is on Planet Mew. Yeah. Um, but what, what's the... Uh, there, there's one tune on Vapor City, I think, which I really like, and it's almost got like a 4x4 squat party techno beat on it. Uh, bad with names. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I always, from, from Rooms, I always listen to You Don't Survive. Yeah. So it's, it's out in out on the streets that one yeah, yeah, yeah. i still listen to that very regularly yeah, yeah. Love that time i machine drum blew my mind before i got into like uh, rooms and, and, and stuff like that is um when they did the rashad tribute with him and, and dj earl they did like an ep for rashad just after he died what was uh, year did rashad die then because he rashad didn't die until after rooms came out didn't 20, it? 
14 or 15. So that's that's well after rooms. Well after out. rooms, yeah. But yeah. I, I did not, I hadn't heard of Machine Drum before that. Uh, uh-huh. Mostly because I was still very much into like drum bass, drum bass. Yeah, 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 and yeah. didn't find what was out there. Which is funny because all that stuff was happening in Antwerp. The stuff that I liked after, but I didn't know. Oh, you didn't that. realize it. Were, did, were, you, are you originally from Antwerp? I'm from Antwerp, yeah. But I grew up just outside of the city. And uh, like I discovered drum bass, and I was like, "Oh, I want to go to those parties." And I did not know about stuff like next level shit going on. And mm. they booked. So you would just go to drum bass nights. Mostly, here. yeah. Where where in Antwerp? Or in, in Antwerp, because uh, it was a Gans. lot of uh, yeah in in Canton. Yeah, uh, Brussels was it as for well. For that, yeah, yeah, with, yeah. Uh, Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, was that Murdoch? No, that's oh, uh, oh, is he? Murdoch's for Antwerp. Oh, it's Antwerp. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I went to patrol a lot, and and there was a lot of drum bass. There were a lot of different stuff as well. And I think there I started hearing different stuff than first. That was like more akin to BT stuff and, and wonky things. What you mean uh, at the drum bass night? No, no, no. Just like I went to the uh, petrol club. In, oh yeah, in the south where they had drum bass nights. But then also the night after it would have something different, and I would just go the night after because I was like, oh, that was a cool place. Like see what's. Going yeah, well, I, I played that once where in the summer where we were just talking about before we were recording like the uh, Super Diesel. Oh, is that there? Yeah, that's in that's in petrol. In the summer, they would Makes sometimes sense. call <laughs> petrol diesel. They would yeah, call yeah, it yeah. Super Diesel. Okay. Sometimes. Cool. Um, I I'm not sure. Like, it, it was a next level shit uh, event, but I think yeah. it was in collaboration with another promoter. I'm not sure anymore. It could be. Uh, I'm I'm really don't know what parties I went to there because there was so much going on mm. at the time and I was like just discovering it so I just tried to go as much as possible. I went from I don't remember Goa nights there that I ended up on that was pretty cool or, or some even some techno stuff and then mm. um well I got very much sidetracked. I don't know where we were going with this before. <laughs> still, um, still in Antwerp. Still in Antwerp, okay. boom on uh in tricks. Um I don't know where we're going either. We were talking I, about like being genre de, uh, genre defying, yeah, yeah, machine room, genre defying. Uh, no genre, de, I, I meant genre defying, defying, Not defining, but defying, defying like, defying, uh, like yeah. you, that you can't pigeonhole someone yeah. to a certain genre. Uh, I don't know how we got there, day. Eh? I think I, I know where I want to go. Uh, yeah, so I don't know how we got there either. Just like the artists we were talking about that we like, yeah. mostly have that, and I think for me as well, like why I kept hopping genres and, and doing stuff is because I felt that was like what you want to achieve to be able to do whatever you want really within mm-hmm. the sound that makes you you, which is also something that I feel you have done over your career. Uh, yeah. You've, you've done a lot of different genres and- Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I didn't think there was, most of the times there wasn't much thought behind it because mm-hmm. I the only thought behind it was, and that's probably my insecurities like showing themselves, uh, is that, uh, whenever I started trying my hands at a different genre than the one I'd been working in for a couple of years, I always felt like, ah, oh, shit, I hope people don't go and think of me as like some bandwagon jumper, you know? It's like, oh, he's just gonna do, do, do this kind of music now because mm. it's hip or whatever, because it was never, never about that. It's just getting bored of doing the same stuff for years on end. And then after a while, you just want to try your hands at something different, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I don't know. It's like genuine interest to switch genres every now and then and learn them. And yeah, and it's not. It's it's never been to where because I've seen quite a lot of artists do this, and they 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 get tired of being labeled as a, an artist 
for a certain genre all mm. the time and they kind of try to turn their backs on that genre like mm. ah fuck it i'm not doing this anymore i'm not doing that anymore i i could never go about it that way to die um it might not be my main focus for quite a while but i would never try and like actually turn my back on a certain genre or a certain g uh, mm. uh scene or whatever mm-hmm. so, um, i think the the right way to go about that is that if you're uh if you you start producing a certain genre or whatever and you get invited into the scene accepted in it you're more like a visitor that mm-hmm. gets to know the culture around it and what happens and then if you end up doing something else you still have the friends that you made there and you you try to keep those connections tied because i think it's very important as well for those people that are very much embedded in a genre to have people like yourself that do different things and then they can learn from that as well so to uh, d- that- it depends i guess some people do think that way which is the way i like it but yeah. i guess there's also people that feel like ah, oh, he doesn't want to do our stuff anymore mm. it's like there's always going to be jaded people in that way i think yeah, um, yeah, yeah and that's inevitable and some genres have it more some genres have it less um but i think like it's more about the people that you meet that do are having an open mind about mm-hmm. that and they're like oh well I, I have noticed quite a few people um sully being another one of them that um that were also active in that beats and wonky scene because sully was as well kind of mm-hmm. uh and that started making jungle so i see there's a lot of people that are from like my age my generation that have been making music for ages and they but they've only been making jungle mm-hmm. for the past five six seven years yeah. so they all came from like like alex eveson mm-hmm. you know dead man's chest yeah so he used to be like a full-on um liquid drum and bass producer yeah so, uh, and he kind of got tired with everything evolving around the mix downs what we were just mm. talking about um so he tried his hands at jungle and immediately became one of the well from the new guys yeah, yeah. like one of the main main producers yeah dead man's chest label was something that uh always like for the artwork western law yeah western law yeah he draws all that by hand man with just a pencil it's like yeah fucking crazy it is amazing it takes him like two weeks to do some (laughs) of them to do one drawing yeah Yeah. it it always like jumped out uh just seeing the artwork pass by and the Mm -hmm. music was really great and uh and yeah like people like sully uh the guys from uh, Foxy Jangle as well, what they do is very cool, I think. You know, uh, Rua Sound. Yeah, Rua Sound. Mm-hmm. Rob, yeah. shout out Rob, who lived in Brussels for a while as well. Did he? Yeah, he lived in Brussels in 2014 to 2017. Rob and Cormac. Yeah, just Rob lived here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cormac was in, in Ireland. Uh, and yeah, we hung out quite a lot. He was a super cool guy. And what he I, does. Th- I think I met Rob at a Rupture show once. Like, the first time I played, I'm pretty sure it was the first time I played Rupture. Um, I think I, t- I talked to him, spoke to him briefly at, uh, at Corsica Studios, and yeah, I'm not 100 percent clear <laughs> on whether it was it was Rob or the other guy, Cormac. Yeah, I've never met Cormac. Uh, uh, never even interacted with him. I think uh, just not Rob. But shout out to the label. What they do is very cool, and I think they they rep a very cool and unique sound of jungle as well. That mm-hmm. is, uh, yeah, very new. Um, but they they they're more like on the fringes of between like uh, like fast dance music electronics and jungle it's yeah like, but that's their other label that's one. a rua sound yeah. one yeah that's more like hybrid yeah with, where it's like a bit of duke a bit of yeah because for rua is something that i was uh, i think one of the last things i was working on as corrupted was supposed to like be for released rua. on we, rua. we were talking about it back then um but then they were also just starting up foxy jangle um mm-hmm. 
Wait, I don't know who the first really. Might have it been Deadman's Chest? I don't remember. Whatever. No. Um, Kidlip, Solly, Tim Reaper. Right. F FFF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That FFF release is very cool as well. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah I actually wanted that tune. <laughs> <laughs> but I think because uh, FFF uh, Tommy is one of my best friends, you know, okay. um, and we, um, yeah, he's he's one of the truest people I know and one of my best mates. And uh, but he'd given me so many tunes already to release on my <laughs> labels, and then he sent me that one just like literally the week after he'd finished it. I was like, oh fuck, man, this one's wicked. So I was playing at every single gig and like nobody knew it when I yeah. played it, of course, because he had only finished it and it always got like crazy good response from the crowds. People, even though they, th that was actually one of those instant rewind yeah, tunes, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Where people don't know it and they're like, oh, the fuck is this? Like, like <laughs> pull it up, pull it up. So, um, so I was like, oh, I want that tune, man. But I, I don't know. Like it, it ended up going to Foxy Jangle. I was like, ah, ah shit. I would have loved to have that one. <laughs> hey, as long as I it gets already got like 15 other ones here. So <laughs> tune can play, man. As long as it gets a good home. That's the yeah, most yeah, yeah, thing, definitely. Yeah. And he actually got like a wicked picture sleeve to which he wouldn't have gotten on my label because yeah. I'm cheap as. <laughs> <laughs> He would have just got on a white label with a stamp on it. Uh, white labels with stamp or I would drive and drive in the Something else I wanted to talk about that I thought was very cool is uh, you got some songs in uh, the Hotline Miami game uh, a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, that's right? actually the whole reason why I started releasing Jungle. It's because of them. Sick. Yeah. They, they just asked you for music or, or how did that happen? No, no. Um, uh, they found uh, my band camp. And back then I didn't, I wasn't even really seriously producing Jungle or anything at all. I was just doing like well mostly the wonky kind of stuff the, the hip-hop squee beats mm. whatever that kind of stuff and um they found some weird sample based i guess you could say like trip hop kind of it wasn't even wonky yet yeah. i had made those like way earlier like probably 2005 2006 maybe a little later not sure i made those on a hardware sampler and i had that as a free download up on my Bandcamp, and they just found my Bandcamp and hit me up to ask if they could license some of those tunes mm -hmm. for Hotline Miami, uh, Hotline Miami Part 2. And the royalty checks that I got from, from that were actually what made me decide to just release a jungle record finally, because that had been my dream for a long time to do uh, a 12 inch with like breakbeat, hardcore, ravey stuff, some jungle. Uh, but I always figured like, that shit won't won't sell, you mm. know. Like, there would be a, a passion project where I felt like if I ever come across, if if I win, win like win the lottery or I get, someone gives me a couple grand that I can just spend, yeah, without having to worry about if I'm gonna even play even, mm. break even. Um, so then th that that came on my path, uh, and and. I, I got the royalty checks and I was like, okay, well, so now I can finally release a record 
of which I think it won't sell for shit without having to worry about whether I'm going to make my money back. And then that ended up being the best selling record I'd done to date. And I was like, okay, oh, that's nice. That's a good response. I got more tunes and I kept just kept releasing Jungle. So it's all thanks to uh, Hotline Miami. Mm. It's a it's a funny because I didn't know that story went that way. Uh, but the reason why I brought it up is that um, video games have had a long history with like jungle music, uh, especially in the 90s. Like I think the first time I heard what is jungle, but I didn't realize because I was a kid, was when I was playing Ape Escape on the PlayStation One. And it I has don't like know a, that one. It's like a, a Japanese video game where you catch monkeys on an island uh-huh. that have escaped. Um, but that soundtrack is 90% jungle. Is it? And it's made by Sochi Tereda. He makes like very much ah, like. I I think uh, I I bought like uh, at a at a charity shop a couple yeah. of years ago. I bought like uh, a Nintendo CD with the soundtrack of a game, and it had like uh, some some jungle tunes on there as well. I think it's why they say that that sounds very familiar. Ape Escape is PlayStation. Yeah, but but, but, but it, it wasn't Ape Escape. Yeah, but they do, I, yeah. I mean the name of the producer. Sochi Tereda. Yeah, yeah. He uh he does a lot of housey stuff now. Uh, he's on rush hour oh really yeah he's, uh, he's quite big. i saw him play a few years ago but like he made um a shitload of jungle for playstation one but game. just for games just for games and they, they were never released on vinyl no. or whatever. and like i i recently discovered it again i was like holy shit like this is oh shit look into that the, the, the first like but is it like playable or is yeah, it yeah, like it's, it's, is it like completely crazy starting off with three no, melodies at a no, time no 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 there, there's some of it is like very playable and like very gritty lo-fi old school stuff um and it's like amiga sounding uh no it's like it it sounds like pretty it's like pretty 90s stuff just in general very um Mm. yeah just made on like probably the same hardware that most other stuff got made on uh back then of um, soundtracks in Japan at the time like for PlayStation games and Nintendo 64 games at the time they they made a lot of jungle I wasn't even aware of that man. yeah well so, that's odd because like the tunes they licensed for me were not jungle at yeah all, yeah th- so I didn't know that but it's, yeah. it's a funny way that it funded a your funny coincidence jungle yeah. and, then and the only thing I do remember is but it wasn't really jungle it was more like drum and bass I think there was a lot of tunes that were licensed off moving shadow or at least the vinyl there was a vinyl release for a computer game, and I, I think it was a racing game. I can't yeah. for the life of me remember what the game was called. I do remember having the 12-inch that I've, I'm pretty sure was released on Moving Shadow, and it uh-huh. was a, it was a game, a video game soundtrack as well. And it came out very late 90s, like 99, yeah. maybe even early 2000s. A lot of racing games go for drum bass and jungle stuff. Yeah. Uh, like a few years ago, I was contacted by like a 
a sci-fi racing game kind of thing and they were interested in some music but then ended up not licensing it but mm. then they had like a lot it's good money in that yeah yeah but they That's had like a lot I of would... dumb and roll and stuff and stuff yeah yeah, so, yeah 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 there's there's a lot of good money in in, in video yeah, games i didn't realize that yeah. man because so that's how i uh i made like the fucking stupid mistake so i like the stuff that they were trying to license off me they wanted five tunes and that was like really really sample based they would really like t- mm. one sample from a tune with a loop and just a breakbeat over it that was it it's like very short tunes so they wanted initially wanted five tunes and i was like ah i don't know man like it's got some really cheeky samples in there and they were like but yeah well, we can clear the samples and i figured like well if they don't do that right i'll probably just get like a couple hundred quid for the tunes yeah. and and but if i get pinched for the samples i'm gonna have to end up paying a couple thousand for it yeah so it, i in in my mind it wasn't worth the risk but i had no idea of how big those, those budgets for yeah. video games were <laughs> so i was like nah yeah instead of giving them five i was like you can have these two the other three are too tricky even even though they told me like it's we'll fine. clear the samples yeah. it's like nah it's not worth the hassle and then i got the first paycheck so i'm like what a fucking idiot am I, <laughs> it's like <laughs> that was literally like a year's wages i got like for me at least yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh my god what have i done <laughs> i felt like such a tit but, but i mean you learn and then <laughs> it won't happen again I guess. no but that but the licensing didn't happen again either so you never know you know i actually know. hit the guy up like uh if you have some more games and you need to license some more tunes i got i got new stuff he's like yeah we'll keep you in mind like ah. i don't know if they've ever put anything out after that i'm not sure like I, I yeah but they they i i think the company is called devolver mm-hmm and if they they don't put out that many games, I think. Like no. once every couple of years, they're working it. Long trajectory, I yeah. guess. You completely develop a computer game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I think like especially with is like it's just a funny coincidence that a lot of '90s Japanese games, especially, had so much jungle and and drum bassy stuff in it, um, hardcore and, and rave as well. Um, and even like the non like the more ost sounding things uh that are very electronic and like the the way those composers and producers worked is very um it's very interesting like when i was in japan four years ago it was around the time when hyperdub released like their video game compilation so they licensed um they, they, they looked for a lot of video game music so you're in japan 2017 yeah yeah me too when uh march April. Ah, <laughs> so, so many, so many coincidences <laughs> here. <laughs> that would be funny. Uh, where are you playing there? Yeah. Cool. Where do you play? Like really weird, like basement performance uh-huh. venues. It, there weren't even clubs, man. It was like no. basements underneath, like residential, like flats or Sick. stores, and it had to close at 10 p.m. So it was like two hours of like really abstract performances. And then me DJing jungle for half an hour. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely experience, but sweet. The funny thing is, when I came back from Japan, I got hit up by this guy on SoundCloud who was like, "Yo, I heard like some of your music in like an om unit mix. Uh, here's some of my shit." And I was like, "Yo, you're from Tokyo, and your shit is sick. I just got back today." And he was like, "No, we could have hung out. Fuck. Ah, who I, was it? Uh, Madeable. He makes like very spacious madeable uh, yeah. m-a-i m-a-d-e oh made made able uh, mm. no, no, no. uh some guy in tokyo and he makes very um like footworky uh spacious like cosmic bridgey type of mm. stuff um 
And it's funny because I actually found his music like a month before because I think Ivy Lab played some of his stuff in like. Oh, so uh, you were aware of him? I was aware of him. But you like, didn't know he was from Tokyo. No, I didn't know he was from Tokyo. I did not look into it. And then uh, when I got back, he hit me up. <laughs> yeah, funny coincidence. It's such a funny coincidence. Did you only go to Tokyo though? I only got, went to Tokyo for two weeks. Uh, okay. I was just there to... I was finishing school and I just went on holiday to um, do something else. And uh, But then just I Just on your own? On my own. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I went to like a hip hop night where a Belgian uh, rapper was playing. Which one? Uh, Zwangeriki. Oh, Zwangeriki. So he yeah. was performing in Tokyo and he was doing like a, a Japanese documentary. And like mm. I went to like the night that he played in Tokyo, which was funny to hear Dutch hip hop on yeah. in, in Japan, but they loved it. Um, and I saw like a lot of Japanese uh, hip hop acts. And uh, I think like Mala was playing just after I left. So I was like, ah, oh, could have gone to like a dubstep night here, yeah. which would have been interesting. Um, but then I met like a lot of people that did like grime over there and stuff like that. And it was really cool to see how the genres that are very prevalent here get translated over there mm-hmm. and in such a different way. I'd, different I'd, expect, I'd actually expected Jungle to kind of explode in Japan again over the past few yeah. years, but that never happened. No, no. I think it might still. Yeah, but usually they're they're like quite on the forefront of things. Yeah. And if if there's one country where like really niche weird things can become like big enough to be proper hype and yeah. uh, where you can actually make money off of it, <laughs> it would be Japan, Japan. You know, yeah. it's like England and Japan. And I had expected it because Japan has a long history of breakout and everything. Yeah. So I kind of expected it. It kind of looked like it was going to happen when I was there four years ago. Sorry. It's um, fine. It's fine. But it didn't. Yeah, the yeah. funny thing is that footwork did have that. They had like a big footwork thing. Uh, but was it like just Tokyo or uh, other cities as well? Because uh, what Tokyo I heard from Osaka, what, I think. Yeah, from what I heard was uh, Osaka had like a really big breakout scene. Yeah. Back in the day, I'm not sure if it's still there, but that's the only two places I went to. Anyways, is Tokyo and Osaka. And uh, yeah, just I, I just went Tokyo and around, but I knew like from uh, like David who does uh, who did Fuju's here and stuff that they had like a very big. Uh, scene in Japan and like a lot of the footwork stuff that I listened to or, or found very interesting came from Japan but none of it ever had breaks in it no which is yeah, they, it was more like pure f- footwork yeah, not, not pure, like the cross juke, no just that's oh, funny because like uh, yeah. after a while the the, 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 the the original footwork guys from Chicago mm-hmm. they started incorporating breaks as well yeah in it because I, I I remember when Edison Groove put out that uh, foot crap tune yeah and so he basically did a footwork tune at 140. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing an interview with some of those Chicago OG footwork guys, and they were talking about like pulling, take, taking the tempo down to 140 to more better appeal to the UK audience. Yeah, yeah, Like crossover into what Edison Groove did to make yeah. it more like a, a dubstep and grime BPM. But that never happened. No. Instead, instead, it was like they found out that Machine Drum started mixing footwork with Jungle and then the footwork guys started putting Jungle breaks in there as well. But even before that, then you had um, Omnit with a side project. What's it called again? Uh, Philip D. Kick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When, like, what he did was just like... Oh, it's the same era. Same if, era? Yeah. If I don't remember I, very well. I think it's like both uh, Machine Drum's um, 12 Inches where you combine that and even that Room album are... Mm. 
I think from the exact same year. Oh damn! As uh, Philip D. kicks off. Cool. Yeah. yeah, but I remember at the time when they like when you he- you heard. Um, and they did collect uh, collabs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they it was did a dream lo- continuum. Exactly. Yeah, which yeah. Is Sick as well. That. Uh, and then the Machine Drum also did collabs with. Uh, Rashad. No, I I mean uh, the G- Jimmy Edgar, I think. Yeah, Jimmy, the, the, the Jets. Electro. Oh, Jets. that's Jess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which they put out an album with last year, I think. Uh, but yeah. they've been collabing for quite a while, isn't it? Yeah, they have. Uh, I think they Keep put out a, a Jets album in 2019, and mm. that was like very, uh, mostly like filled with features and like have it like very pop sounding, yeah, yeah, yeah. electronic, in like a very cool and, and engaging way. Yeah. Uh, wherein the Dream Continuum stuff was like way deep in, into like the spacey jungle footwork stuff. Yeah. Um, but I always loved that as well about Machine Drum, how he just jumped and did whatever from like very hyper sounding stuff to very yeah but it's still, it, it always still has his like touch to it yeah exactly yeah. uh that's how i love his stuff so much man even though it's like i definitely don't like all the tunes that he's made i don't think there's a fair. single producer where where i like everything that they made um but some of it is just mind mind-blowing to me and all of it is i appreciate the aesthetic yeah Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, how he manages to make everything his own. Mm. So. True. True. He has a very uh, distinct way of pulling it together. We've been talking about machine drum like we're in love with him. <laughs> yeah. so we're spending like for hey, at least twenty minutes talking about just machine drum. If machine drum hears this, I would love to have a talk with you as well. Yeah. And I'll invite you back, and we'll have a no, true man, conversation. No, man, we're probably like really awkward. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, Keep it professional. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> w- one thing I wanted to uh, delve into a bit more as well is that um, what you were talking about how footwork might have ended up getting slower uh, but ended up getting the same speed but with more brakes and stuff yeah um they 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 they, they wanted to what you call it, like implement one uk influence and they st- they ended up with a different one yeah as i find it so funny yeah but then you had like a really big crossover between chicago and london like mm-hmm. um alex perez doing a lot of the footwork stuff with rashad and uh spin oh was he really? yeah they, alex perez yeah alex perez for a brief stint i think around the time when i was getting out of like drum bass stuff was making a lot of footwork and then beatsy stuff as oh, well i wasn't even aware of he that. made a lot of wonky stuff as well um with ivy lab with stray as well but oh, then, i do have that uh 10 inch with i always forget it's 1984 1985 what's 90, it called 1984 is his album and 1985 is his label yeah okay oh yeah. so there is actually so yeah, yeah. there's a 10 inch with a tune called 1984 oh yeah which is also it's really on the cusp of everything. Yeah. It's it's not liquid drum and bass and but no. it kinda sounds like it, but yeah. the drums are not. No, they're very uh like half tempo. Yeah. So a beautiful tune beautiful tune yeah exactly uh but he at the time was doing a lot of uh incorporating he's, he's like, originally uh, originally belgian as well he's isn't from charleroi yeah yeah, yeah. But he's i think he was born here and then moved to, moved to london yeah. at a young age yeah. uh and now he's in new zealand i think i think he brexited oh. out of the uk <laughs> he, he uh, coveted out of the yeah UK. both yeah. probably um but he moved to new zealand i think uh yeah. but at the time as well when uh the crossover between chicago and the uk was happening he was delving into footwork and uh acid at like 170 bpm and stuff mm-hmm. um and then did like a lot of clap. acid as well he had like weird halftime acid bass lines at uh, it's like 85 bpm 
and put mm. like very like uh, wonky beats over it. But you mean as it is and like a 303? Like 303 sounds. Proper and drop bass. Like yeah. yeah. Okay. Stuff like that, but like with more wonky drums. Yeah, it's very cool. I'll, yeah, I'll send yeah, you I some lo- of I love stuff, asset, yeah. man. So yeah. That's a, in my squat party era. Uh, when we first started going there, we were actually calling them asset parties mm-hmm. because that's where it came from, like underground asset scene, asset house scene. So. Yeah, sick. Yeah, I, I, I love like the way that influence seeps into breakbeat now as well and, and, and even beats at, a t- at the time for, uh, for a little bit. I'm not sure if that's still... Yeah, I love any combination that. with asset, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you probably have someone rapping over just like a three or three bass line yeah. song. I think I did hear some stuff like that as well. Uh, just people rapping over three or three bass lines and, and like weirdly distorted trap drums and stuff like okay. that. Yeah. Uh, I think Eprom has a tune like that. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah. I think he probably, has something yeah, like that. Makes yeah, makes sense. Like, he'd have like a guest feature of an MC. Yeah, something yeah, I used like that. To, I haven't heard any new music by Eprom even in a while, man. I used to play loads of his stuff. Before you came here, we were listening to like a break, uh, break or tune he did with G. Jones, which is very... In- with who? G. Jones, like another LA, like weird... Um, G. Jones, I heard that name. This is very, it does a lot of cool stuff as well. But they had uh, a release, I think last year, which... Uh, How did I know that name G. Jones from? I think he's also like LA uh, beats guy, but like very more on like the bass experimental mm. fringes of it. I'm pretty sure I have some tunes of his on my computer. G Jones. Could be. Did he collab with, um, fuck, what, what's uh, another American producer? I can't recall the name now. Uh, did he do a release on Saturate on the Hamburg label? I think G. so. G yeah. Jones. Yeah, I yeah think that's, so. that's, that's, I think I know yeah. his name. But that's quite a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, shout out Saturate as well. Uh, I did a seven inch on Saturate as well. I did a, a free Long song. I did ago. a song on Saturate, Saturate as well. One of the things that I made in Japan. Mm, so uh, when did you do? Uh, it was the second seven inch that they put out. Oh, okay. And it had like a, a double uh, a cover. They they yeah. printed double copies of the cover, so you could keep one, and the other one you could take out, and you could cut it out and make it into like a, an octa. What, what do you call it? Like a ball. Oh, okay. Sick. Yeah, it was like a cutout shape. And you could <laughs> paste it and make like a like a little three D artwork thingy. Cool. So, yeah, that's pretty sick. Yeah, those guys have been uh, doing it for a long time as well. And yeah, like ten years, I think. Yeah, something 11? like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. I like guess that. they started around like two, 2010. Yeah, I only I only found out about him around like 2017 as well. Mm. Uh, when I when like the Ivy Lab Stray stuff started happening, they started popping up more as well because they were playing a lot of their stuff, and then like that all grew together into like oh, a okay, new okay. scene thing uh, with LA and and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Oh man, I've I've been having a very <laughs> good time talking to you, uh, mm. delving back into my past and, and, and hearing <laughs> what you do as well, and, and like hearing those uh, back to wonky, back to back to wonky and machine drum love. Yeah. Um, I think it's about time we uh, round this conversation off. Um, so I just want to thank you for coming over and and, and uh, thanks for having me, me man. Uh, I have one one last question that we always ask anyone that um, comes to this podcast, and it's about food which i said we would talk about today oh uh, yeah yeah <laughs> well we already talked a lot about food when we were outside so. yeah but the the pre-talk but uh yeah. there's this one one specific question that i have to ask is uh if you were to describe your musical taste music that you make whatever you can choose uh as a dish or a, a, a set of courses what would it be 
<laughs> uh, that's impossible because like i don't know i think my music is way more hectic and diverse than my choice of foods at least the dishes that i make myself mm. yeah but there's a lot of cuisines that are very hectic and and oh fuck stuff me, like that <laughs> it, it would probably be a, a pita but like with falafel but with all kinds of fillings in there yeah i don't know like no, you kind of caught me off guard with that one. <laughs> like, we should have no, we should have discussed this beforehand so I can have a think on it because I probably hey, we have time. But to. I, I get when when we're driving back to the Netherlands, I'm, I'm gonna probably be like, fuck, I should have said that, man. S- that would have made a- Send it in an email and then we can include it as a screenshot. I'll send or, it as a what, WhatsApp or like, WhatsApp, uh, like yeah. a voice note to uh, to Matthijs. And we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, when, when I think of something snappy, yeah. <laughs> yeah we always get very uh, interesting questions when asking this and i think at some point i want to like make a lot of the dishes as it's, like it's a, definitely going to be something vegetarian yeah but i don't know i think like a, a pita bread is an interesting one because it it can like hold a lot of yeah it can things. hold a lot of things together but it can also like fall apart in the blink of an eye <laughs> isn't it? So, which is perfect yeah <laughs> it sounds like a jungle or a wonky tune it's like ah it's it, yeah it's there but it can fall apart anytime what's this secret messages yeah i'm getting i'm getting slip messages oh. uh we're supposed to still talk about the mix you're doing for sweaty palms ah why I don't know why. I think I already gave a description. A written description. <laughs> what, what I what I what I heard is that you're. Is I I already told them everything. <laughs> why do we need to go over this again? <laughs> no, I just know that you're making a, a mix with uh, skate yeah. tunes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah um, so uh, Matthijs asked me to do uh, a mix for for you guys um, to pick a, a theme, mm. and I kind of I, I I wrote down some themes in my uh, in my notes on my phone, mm. and then uh actually have one as like i might do as a theme from a certain year mm. and i also toyed with the idea of doing an all vinyl mix and it can only be colored vinyl <laughs> but i was like nah fuck it i'll i'll do it by like some of my favorite skate video uh soundtrack tunes from throughout the years this so there's some 80s 90s and very recent skate video yeah tunes in there cool so, uh, it's- and actually matthias coined exactly the same idea that i already had in my mind i was like i'm gonna make this one a bit more special by including little quotes from the videos you mm. know like sound bites if yeah you want to call them that and then he coined that as well i was like yeah i was just about to do that <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, everyone's on so, the same level in this room i love it yeah <laughs> <laughs> the next level the next level shit <laughs> shout out again to the boys we we love them and we love machine room so much yeah, uh, yeah. we should marry uh <laughs> um yeah i'll quickly touch on on skating as well um because one of our other uh guests earlier guests uh talked about skate culture as well and how that got him into djing who's uh, that uh fred nasa he's a dj from belgium that was more involved in like the tech house scene and stuff but he started out as a skater loving uh loving and listening to hip-hop and punk where's he from from uh uh, kortrijk kortrijk yeah yeah. uh so very uh (laughs) yes yes uh which is funny because like i've never i was never a skater myself um a lot of my friends were and Mm -hmm. like i loved like what they were doing I was just too scared shitless to get on a board, I guess, as a kid. I yeah, did. so that kind of involved in the culture, but you didn't, like, skate. Yeah, I just, like, I hung out with yeah, skater yeah, yeah. boys, but I never skated. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
started longboarding because I felt safer. <laughs> Which Why? Because yeah. it, it doesn't seem safe at all. You go fast as shit. Yeah, but I, I, man. Yeah, like, I go fast, but I felt more controlled than doing tricks. Like tricks, yeah, tricks scared I, me. I, I hear. Yeah, yeah, tricks scared me. But it's also because I'm like super tall mm-hmm. and like it does not feel like I could get that balance. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. that's just the way it felt to me, at mm-hmm. least. Um, and I, yeah. you can't. You, I feel like you're apologizing for not skating. <laughs> no, you don't have to do that, man. Like, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just telling the skater fans that to not call me a poser. And uh, uh, yeah, that's I, I like skating, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a skater. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's funny how a lot of people that I meet uh, that end up being musicians uh, start as skaters or still are skaters, and and how that culture um, intertwines so seamlessly. Yeah, it's it's odd because when I started skating, like it definitely wasn't a thing like electronic music and skateboarding in the Netherlands, at least I grew up in in England. It was c- completely different because yeah. you had like Alex Moore, you know, Morley, mm-hmm. who was like a fe- quite big drum and bass producer and DJ. Mm-hmm. He was one of the best like British skateboarders at in the early 90s. Um, yeah, Curtis McCann who suddenly dipped because he became a techno DJ. It was like way more uh, intertwined with one another, I guess. And in the Netherlands, it, it didn't really mesh. And I think a lot of it had to do with like cabbers, like the hardcore scene being labeled the arch enemies of skaters. Mm. It was always a bit weird here in America as well, I think. Um, so it's actually a bit peculiar, uh, um, funny to hear you say that. But I do think you're right in the sense that um, uh skateboarding i think was always seen as something very creative it's it, it's, yeah. it's more like a creative outlet than it is a sport necessarily yeah i it, think to me it always felt it is like it a, is a sport but it's it's way more creative than running it to me it, it, it always felt like dancing in a very yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. physical art form yeah yeah it is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. cuz dancing is also a sport but it's also an art form yeah, but it, it isn't about endurance. It is about uh, being the fastest. It isn't about scoring points. It's about like uh, creativity and beauty, yeah. uh, which sounds very fucking corny to say it like that. But that's why it has. But it is. It, it is akin to dancing in that way. It's like the like it's pleasurable to look at the way people move their bodies, except for with dancing it's just the body and with skateboarding. It's the body and a skateboard. Yeah, so, um, a piece of wood. So maybe that's what it has in common with making music is the create creative outlet that it brings. So and a certain underground element, which has kind of gotten watered down over the past few years, mm. which is probably why skateboarding is also now an Olympic sport because yeah. it's become a sport and it's become very jockey. Like the, uh, the, there's like that side of skateboarding, which is very jockey and there's still the more underground more creative side of skateboarding i think which isn't really about sportsmanship as much as yeah as the olympic side of it is which is fine which is cool to me as well because if it weren't for that we wouldn't be getting that many great skate parks and everything and we wouldn't be getting that accepted so it it's beautiful that it's there it's just not for me it it kind of is in uh skateboarding to me in that way is kind of like hip-hop where hip-hop used to be a dirty thing from the streets and mm-hmm. now it's like a very well accepted cultural pop thing yeah yeah yeah. and then you have like that in a way but then also the underground yeah underground. you still you still got the the underground yeah. the, the, you still got the gritty side of hip-hop yeah. 
And it's the same with skateboarding. Anything yeah. cool gets gentrified after a while. Yeah, but it's cool. It's yeah. it's cool. Whatever, man. Because like, it, it also feeds into what the underground does. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and uh, if there's enough people that want to keep it like low key, like their own, like pure form, then there's usually room for that, man. Mm. It'll keep it'll keep going. It'll keep surviving. Yeah. I I think at least. And if not, then it's probably not worth it. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's a that's a good way of seeing it. Uh, okay, thank you very much. Should we go back to the food question or should we leave that for no, in no, the car? No, no, no. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to, uh, you got me caught up in thinking about skateboarding, man, not about food. <laughs> also fine. Um, cool. The like one last question then that's not about food. Uh, do you have anything coming anytime soon, uh, music wise, or what I are got, you looking I forward to? I got quite to? a few releases. Well, I was looking forward to finally getting back to gigging, and then <laughs> I found out just this morning, uh, which made me like really fucking grumpy. Is like, uh, uh, because most of my gigs have been in the UK, and the most, most of the gigs that I've planned are for the UK as well. Feel and it? the Netherlands is still in the amber zone. So if even if I'm fully vaccinated, I still have to go self isolate for 10 days in the uk which is not possible to do gigs then yeah so i was like ah oh, shit man i hope we go to green status like anytime soon but i don't see it happening within at least the next few months yeah so, um, i think it's uh, so that's I, I i have quite a few gigs lined up in the uk in uh, london bristol leeds liverpool up north um um and i got early august i got uh, a gig in croatia a festival called membrane and uh my girl and i are going there together so I booked a few extra days at the hotel so it's going to be it's actually going to be our first holiday abroad like our first vacation abroad so uh uh yeah i'm really looking forward to that one and then release wise i've got some what have i got coming up i had a whole list at home um, that's fine man yeah. we don't need to get well, into there's, there's a whole bunch of remixes uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a new EP for Critical uh, okay, cool. uh, some some more there was a new EP for Lobster Firamin, um and a whole bunch of remixes coming up cool so, um, well I'm uh, looking forward to hearing them and hopefully um, I can see you play in Antwerp sometime soon yeah uh, I hope so too man it's been so. ages Shout out to the promoters listening or yeah. promoters promoting this. Um. <laughs> Jos- Jasper, man, come on. Yeah. Or Matthias and Lars or uh, yeah. someone else. Uh. Yeah, all of them together. Yeah, yeah whoa. Combined forces. Let's make it happen. And then uh, we'll go get some Sibon again. Yeah, 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 man. That was yeah. good. Shout out Sibon as well. Sponsor <laughs> us. Damn. Send us food every time we do this podcast. Dude, thank you very much for uh, talking. And uh, yeah, let's uh, finish up here. Wicked. Thanks for having me, man. Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, make sure to subscribe to our channels here on Instagram, Facebook, and the likes. Let us know who you think should feature on the next podcast. Thanks to our partners. We are Various and Omstrung.